Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we've become a bit obsessed with China around here. And actually, if you're not a bit obsessed with China, I think you're missing out on the story of the century, as it is a country that actually has the ability to compete with us economically and militarily, is hell-bent on doing so, and is run by an evil dictatorship. If that doesn't get your attention, I don't know what would. Well, what could uh, lead us to anything but forceful rejection of uh, of that country and that leadership? Well, trillions of dollars in trade tends to make you feel a, a little more ambivalent about evil. But to discuss that and many other uh, topics, Ying Ma joins us. Ying Ma, the author of Chinese Girl in the Ghetto, contributor to Fox News, Washington Examiner, NBC.com. Uh, former columnist for the Wall Street Journal's China blog, among a number of other uh, interesting positions. Welcome. How are you? Good, good. Good morning to you both. Great to be back on with you. It's been too long. I know. I know. My gosh. I remember we're, we're, last time I was here, we were uh, in the middle of the 2016 campaign, and I was right in the middle of that working for the Ben Carson campaign and the pro-Trump super PAC. And, oh, we're, right. now, and we're now back in another election year. Oh, boy. So I was reading a little of your bio stuff. Um yesterday and uh, you grew up under Mao I did and there was a phrase in there and I don't know if you wrote it or whoever was writing about you wrote it but uh, you know on the, the during the burgeoning time of becoming a capitalist society is that so what year did you leave China and at that time did it seem like it was heading the way of capitalism I left in the mid 80s and so uh, what was happening back then was the 80s was actually a great era because that was a time when a lot parachute pants Madonna it was a great era 
<laughs> we had all that in China, too. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But the people of China aspired to have all that. And, and I think what was interesting about the 80s was that um, it was when China actually began, uh, really got, um, got going with its economic reforms. And so there were lots of firsts. You know, the first time people got to choose where to work, where to live, um, you know, what to buy on the market. And, and those were very, um, the very, very first beginnings with baby steps. And so I certainly it was not full blown capitalism in, in any way. But what was happening was that capitalism was introduced to a very repressive, um, very closed off society. And so, you know, for instance, did you know that for the longest time, farmers in China couldn't keep profits from you know, from their crops. And then so profit incentives were actually introduced in the 80s. And and so from it, it was from that era that China be, um, embarked on the road of what's called reform and opening. And, and you know, and, and it's one of the reasons why China grew into the economic giant that it is today. Well, when they allowed incentives for production, production exploded. Indeed. Which indeed. is not surprising. You would think that would keep a country from wanting to head back towards socialism when uh, you got that uh, perfectly good example of how capitalism works. But. Well, I think they they are very well, I think one thing that they're very fond of is that nobody in China is opposed to making any opposed to making money. And that goes for the Chinese Communist Party. They've now come to realize how much money can buy. It buys you influence overseas. Um, it makes the party stronger. Um, and, you know, the good thing about introducing capitalism in China is that a lot of the Chinese people who have this great entrepreneurial spirit, they got to know what it is like to run their own business to actually actually, you know, to actually participate in the market. Okay, well, there's the question then right there. So the the, the Stalin and Lenin and his crew, they in, in Russia, they were actually communists. The, Indeed. It is now known from their own personal writings and, and everything. They actually believed in communism, Indeed. and then they were trying to carry that out. The Communist Party in China, are they actually communists? Oh, or absolutely. They, they are actually absolutely. communists. They are a, a new and improved version of communism. And I, I think... Um, I think there is a lot of sophistication and a lot of complexity that's not often understood. And and you've got all kinds of idiots running around saying China's no longer a communist country. That is absolutely not true, because I think at the core of it, communism is about control. It is about controlling the ideas of the people who live under it. It, it is about controlling their lives and it is about all kinds of things. And the Communist Party has at no point decided that it wants to to cede political power in any way. And so it is absolutely uh, adamant about keeping that control. What it has done is that it has realized that if it kept on going the way that it did in the Cultural Revolution or the Great Leap Forward back in the 50s and 60s, all of its people were starving to death and that that is no way to run a country. And so it has decided to, over the past 40 years, to introduce elements of market reform. But it is not at all a free market society because... You know, in the middle of all those market reform elements, the state continues to maintain control of vast chunks of the economy. And so the, what the sophistication in all this is that the Chinese government has managed to find a way to make this sort of reforms work to generate 
to generate profits, to generate wealth, to generate influence without having to face what the former Soviet Union faced, which is an overthrow of the, the regime. Well, and as a regime to balance the the openness to to the free market and the global market with the political control, there has to be an enormous sophistication. Oh, yes, absolutely. To it, the, 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 you know, the control mechanisms. Yes. And the, you know, it's almost like recognizing that um, the, the uh, Hitler's war machine sweeping across Europe was a stunning bit of uh, military planning. I mean, as loathsome and horrific as it was, it's just undeniably impressive. The Chinese regime, you got to admire them. That's almost impossible what they're doing right now. There is so much sophistication. And, and you know, I, I think it's important to, to recognize that. So even though there has been all these new um, forms of, um, of liberation that didn't used to exist, right? That people have more opportunities to live where they want to live, to buy what they want to buy, to say what they want to say in private. But what the regime has done is that it has continued to exert control in other ways. It's now, you know, it now censors the internet. The internet did not exist when I, you know, was growing up in China. Um, it, it now has very sophisticated surveillance technology. Um, it's supplied in part by Western companies that want to make a profit in China. And, and it, uh, it is able to figure out where its citizens go, what they're doing, you know, what trains they hop on and what trains they're. So, you know, there is this social credit system in China that if you do things that the Chinese government does not like, there are all kinds of ways that it could, um, it could inf- impede upon your ability to do basic things like buy plane tickets, for instance. So, so it is a vastly sophisticated state in a way that I'll th- I think a lot of people don't understand. Have you ever been to one of those wet bat markets um, where the coronavirus started? <laughs> I've been to I've been to I've all been to of... all kinds of wet markets, and I've eaten all kinds of things that you probably don't want. Ever know sampled about. <laughs> the delicious pangolin that they think is at the the, the center of that? that I have not. That okay. I, I, I can, however, you know, tell you all kinds of ways that people kill animals in their own homes in order to eat them. And, and you know, and, and so during the days when I used to grow up, people actually ate their pets in China. Um, and, you know, and I, when I was, that when was, I that was that was that was not an eye opening experience at all. That was no, just so not like, at all. Not so. at all. And I had, you know, even though I was in the middle of the third largest city in China, I had chickens in my kitchen that we would grab and kill if we wanted a meal from time to time that's pretty common as well um that i mean it's no longer the case now but wet markets are quite common they're still enjoyed by the chinese people and Mm. it's you know but i I hear that you know the government wants to get rid of them because they're now just um a hotbed for diseases yeah um so you were (laughs) we were emailing yesterday and you told me this story about this uh, uh, uh mma fighter Yes, and yes. a journalist and the coronavirus. We're going to take a little break, but we got okay. we got to hear this story. This is what the uh, the the Chinese Communist Party is capable of doing. Hmm. It features the wet bat market and MMA fighting. It's just all the wet market. It's, it's got, not wet bats. <laughs> Everything's wet. All the elements of a story that you need to keep you to stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If you get a chance to pick up a copy of Chinese Girl in the Ghetto by Ying Ma, you should absolutely read it for a number of different reasons. It's super interesting about China. It's super interesting about uh, the United States as seen through the eyes of an immigrant and, and race relations and all sorts of great stuff. But Ying Ma joins us to talk about China and all sorts of good stuff. Yeah, this story, because uh, we were uh, emailing yesterday, this kind of encompasses a couple of things that are in the news. Coronavirus, the communist government, what Xi's government's willing to do. Tell the story. 
Well, so, um, and it encompasses MMA, which I know is yes. a big deal for, for lots of people across the, this country. So let me start with the coronavirus. I mean, as we all know, it's, it's really become such a big problem. There are 75,000 cases in China that we know of. Are and, the numbers coming out of China at all reliable? You know, um, the answer is we can't possibly just believe what they tell us. Okay. But even if even if we don't, seventy five thousand is a lot. Right. I mean, Fair already okay. that's what they're admitting to, and then their the death toll is over two hundred, right? And and so and and, and so um, what there there are a couple of citizen journalists that have gone to the epicenter of the virus and have tried to done sort of video video uh youtubing youtube videos and others to try to get a get the word out figure out what's going on and and they've been disappeared by the authorities oh boy uh, they've been disappeared yes that's the word that and and speaking of china being a communist country this is a word that's commonly used in you know in in the former Soviet Union, as well as other countries behind the Iron Curtain in the old days, that still happens in China. So don't anybody sort of get into the temptation of thinking that communism doesn't continue to exist in China. And are they likely in a prison camp or dead? We we don't know, because when people were disappeared, we have no idea where they are and what and what was their offense. They went they actually risked their lives to go to these hospitals where all these people are dying with this coronavirus that we don't know very much about. And they reported all kinds of things that we other people, including journalists from The New York Times, had no idea of, which is one, that there is a shortage of hospital beds Two, there is a shortage of test kits. And so it, at the epicenter of the city where this virus started, you know, it, it becomes a problem, right? When you see corpses lying around in hospitals and they're not being cleared quickly no. enough or Oof. that or that within a day, you know, from at, at a major hospital, you see the number of corpses go from two to eight in a short amount of time. That's the kind of reporting that some of these journalists have done. And what did the authorities do? Well, they rounded them up. And now here's where the MMA guy gets involved. Um, You know, this is actually a fascinating story with all these (laughs) different angles there. And and for those of you who do any kind of martial arts, um, MMA is different, I think. And and let me make a side tangent here. Um, A lot of people have, have complained that even though Chinese martial arts has this distinguished history, you know, you've got all these people. With I've their, seen Kung Fu Panda. There you go. Right. Oh but boy. one of the one of one of the biggest critiques of traditional Chinese martial arts is that is it practical? Can you fight if if a Chinese martial artist, all these people with their fancy moves get into the octagon? Can you actually fight? And so there is this Chinese um, MMA fighter in China who have t- taken it upon himself to expose the fraud the frauds of of chinese martial arts which huh. is to say that you fought, you know and so his he, words are yours do you think it's a fraud or it's just that's it's his, his words his words he feels that many of these esteemed masters in china can't fight and he's challenged <laughs> and he's challenged <laughs> them to real think? fights he's challenged them think? to real fights and this is a guy his name is xu xiaodong and this is a guy who became famous because a couple of years ago he knocked out a tai chi master in 20 seconds and since then, he's gone on to challenge other masters. And, and so he's cocky, he's arrogant, he's obnoxious and outright disrespectful. But he happens to be friends with one of the citizen journalists who was disappeared. And this MMA fighter actually bought, is one of the few people who had who, 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 who actually has put his face on a video 
to say to the world that this person, you know, this friend of mine is doing this. He was trying to tell the truth about the coronavirus and the government rounded him up and the government, you know, used the excuse that this man was infected with the virus and hence he was quarantined. And the MMA fighter says that's complete BS. And so. Um, and so I and think, so he might be famous enough that they can't disappear him. That's well, what he has I, going for him. Well, he, he his whole point was I'm going to put this all out there and they're going to come after me. But this is my insurance policy. I don't know how well that's. You Maybe know. he could fight G. Would G fight? Him? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she would just. Uh, I, I think she has enough people with guns and yeah. and other and uh, beat the honey and, out of Winnie the Pooh. Huh? <laughs> hey, listen. As long as we're kind of on the topic, yeah. uh, I've heard it said that this is fomenting serious, possibly dangerous to the regime levels of unrest. Will the steam be let off and things go back to normal? Or do you think this has the potential to drive real change? I would say it's fomenting serious discontent. Unrest, I, I don't think it's gotten to the level of unrest yet. When you're talking about unrest, I, you know, I'm thinking about mass protests, rallies. That's what we saw in Hong Kong. Right, right. And, and I'm glad you brought up Hong Kong because I think... Um, Oh, and this MMA fighter, when the Hong Kong protests were at the, their height, he actually went out there and publicly supported the protesters in Hong Kong, which is a very rare feat as well. Wow. You don't see Jackie Chan doing that. Jackie Chan is running around condemning the protesters. Mm. And so uh, I, I think one, I think it sometimes takes people who are a little bit crazy and perhaps kind of obnoxious in order to challenge the status quo, to right. have the courage to actually say to this powerful government, you know, to give the give the government the middle finger. Now, when it comes to unrest and discontent in China, you are absolutely right that this um, epidemic has stirred up all kinds of unrest. People have been calling for freedom of speech because if they don't have freedom of speech, people die. You know, the government mm-hmm. has been ha- has been covering up the the extent of the illness. And, and so there's a lot of that. But I, I think what it reminds us of is that what that you have to that people who foment unrest or who challenge the government they don't just do it as sort of a a um a concept it helps a lot more when their lives are at stake yeah and, oh, yeah. It's a and so um and so i think for a lot of people in china i don't think they actually many people in china were not firmly behind the protesters in hong kong for a number of reasons but i i, I think with something like this where their lives are at stake it, it's stirred up all kinds of hostility toward the regime and all kinds of people asking the regime to actually you know make reforms we are just about out of time with Ying Ma, author of Chinese Girl in the Ghetto, contributor to FoxNews.com, Washington Examiner, NBC News. Where do you want people to, to find you? Your website, your Twitter, yeah. your whatever? Um, so on Twitter, I am um, at G-Z-T-O-Ghetto, G-Z-T-O-Ghetto, um, and my website is yingma.org. That is Y-I-N-G-M-A dot org. We'll have the links at armstrongandgetty.com so people can find them really and when easily. I have a question about a story in the news about China or a book or whatever, she's the one that I always email or text or whatever and say, uh, what do you think about this? You realize he only orders sweet and sour pork, right? Have you heard that? <laughs> It's the only Chinese food he ever orders. No, but I thought I thought when I was on with you guys when my book first came out, we agreed that I would take Jack to a Chinese restaurant, a, uh, an authentic well, Chinese restaurant. Do they restaurant. have sweet and sour pork? Oh boy! All right, now point. we are out of time. This is ridiculous. This is, this is terrible. But this is the ugly American right here. But I can try the real, authentic, or take me to a wet mat market. I want to check one of those out. You and your Maybe when the bat. coronavirus is over. Yeah. Fantastic! Thanks for coming on. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. Armstrong and Getty. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 